Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. As coronavirus gripped the country, the resulting lockdowns exacerbated another problem that had already reached epidemic proportions. Food poverty. This morning, I had to go to a food bank. (sighs) I've been trying to keep my head above water and just still be living a normal life, but I've been really struggling. I don't want everyone knowing that I'm failing. We've basically got about £80 to live on per two weeks. They're growing boys, they need clothes. So it's hard, it is hard. Why should people have to come here for food? I mean, is this Great Britain? What's great about this? The free school meals and food vouchers that kept some families afloat in normal times were suddenly stopped. The prospect of extra work for struggling parents all but vanished. Children were going hungry. Almost 80% of school support staff surveyed by the union Unison said they believed pupils were arriving in class hungry. When the government finally relented, it was only after an overwhelming national response to a campaign led by an unlikely figure. This summer, Manchester United and England star Marcus Rashford played a pivotal part in forcing the government to make one of its biggest U-turns. Marcus Rashford, star footballer, iconic campaigner and thorn in the side of the government, sat down for a chat with The Times. Kids nowadays are much more intelligent than what my generation was when we were younger and if they can see what, what it is that they're trying to achieve, then... You know, I want them to understand that there's no reason why they can't do that just because of where they come from. So, yeah, for me, 100% is something that drives me every day and um, probably always will for for the rest of my life. In his bid to feed the country, Marcus Rashford has recruited another footballing hero. You have to be shocked at um, the number of people who are in need of food. As the legendary Sir Alex Ferguson pledges up to £2 million to match whatever Times readers donate. We hear from the two footballing icons. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, Marcus Rashford and Sir Alex Ferguson on tackling the Hunger Game. 
I'm Rachel Sylvester and I'm a columnist and interviewer on The Times. And I'm Alice Thompson and I am also a columnist and interviewer on The Times. And Rachel and I quite often do our interviews together, but sometimes we break away and do them on our own. (laughs) Rachel, how does it work? I mean, do you sort of have a strategy before you go in, sort of good cop, bad cop, or how do you do it? No, but we're very much girly swats and we prepare our questions very, very carefully. We spend a lot of time researching. Two heads are definitely better than one. Rachel Sylvester and Alice Thompson have been grilling guests as an interviewing double act for decades. And recently, they've launched an incredibly compelling podcast, Past Imperfect, for The Times. Their latest interviewees for the paper were pretty exceptional. Well, the most recent two people we've had are rather extraordinary. I mean, so extraordinary, actually, in a way to us, because we had both of them, which is Marcus Rashford, the young footballer who is doing extraordinary, both on the pitch and as a political campaigner. Though I'm not sure he'd call himself that, but he is helping uh, to get free school meals for children. And then Sir Alex Ferguson, who knows of God in the football world for having been possibly the best manager in the last few decades. They came together for our Times and Sunday Times Christmas charity appeal. Fair share. Which is to try and get food to children who otherwise might go hungry. It's a fantastic charity, but it's also extraordinary that they're both talking to us. Marcus Rashford and Sir Alex Ferguson came together for the Times and the Sunday Times Christmas Charity Appeal for Fair Share, which is trying to get food to children who might otherwise go hungry. Someone said to me it's a bit like interviewing the Queen and Prince William together. There are these two legendary figures. But what was rather fascinating and sweet, actually, is that they were both really in awe of each other. So Marcus tweeted after he'd had this amazing conversation with Sir Alex and that he was his hero. And during the interview, Alex Ferguson was full of praise for Rashford. Marcus actually has opened the eyes of everyone in Britain. That's a great benefit we've got here. The work he's done in it has been fantastic. And we're also proud of him because of that. That's so unexpected. I mean, he does have a reputation of being, or did, certainly whilst he was a manager, for being quite difficult. Was that slightly worrying? He was quite tough, as Alex, but I thought at the same time he was incredibly kind to Marcus and obviously deeply fond of him as a sort of young protégé that had come up through the ranks. It was rather fascinating just listening to them talking about what had made them and and their really tough um, upbringings. They both felt as if the struggle had made them stronger and formed them and driven them on, both in and out of their careers. They were just being very honest and open about the formative experiences of their lives, which I found absolutely riveting and very moving, actually. Were you expecting them to be quite so open? It's very hard to talk about your childhood, because people are very sensitive about it. So Alex really opened up about how hard his parents had worked really to try and get him food and his family, and this astonishing idea of these nine families all living in the same house. You can't forget your upbringing because that's what's made me. People, I remember reading a newspaper article and it said that Alex Ferguson has done well despite coming from Govan. It's because I came from Govan that I did well. It's because of the family I had made sure the food was on the table. And I think the same with Marcus Rashford. I felt he was so adorable about his mother and so obviously fond of her 
really concerned for her and worried about her and about the fact that she didn't always have enough to eat, much more than he didn't have enough to eat, which I felt really touching. Yeah, I think everybody feels protective towards their mum, but I've obviously seen her go through things that children shouldn't shouldn't really see. It's it's turned me into a stronger person and definitely closer to her because, yeah, just if, if it's tough for, for me and my brothers and my sisters, I just can't imagine the distress that was on her at the time. And honestly, she'd done so well to just hide it because she was always happy when, when we were at home. Um, it wasn't until I left home and I seen her, it was almost like a relief that she had one less thing to to worry about and yeah I'm just I'm, I'm obviously happy now that I can I can repay her in, in different ways. They were both really looked up to and respected their parents so Marcus talked about how he knew his mother had sometimes gone hungry so that the children could have enough food to eat and he remembered her coming home late from work he thought maybe she'd eaten at work or eaten when she was out but looking back that in fact she just went without a meal so that the children would have food on the table and similarly Ferguson just had this huge admiration for his parents who had worked all round the clock to make sure he didn't go hungry and he talked about the values that they'd instilled in him and a sense of discipline and morality which he felt really had been the secret of his success. I want to ask you more about that and more about their childhoods in just a moment. But before I do, how did you persuade them to come together? Well, they agreed to come to talk to the Times because the Times is supporting this uh, fantastic charity, Fair Share, which Marcus Rashford has done a lot of work with over the last few months during the lockdown, making sure that children can get food, including particularly over the school holidays when the government said that uh, to begin with they weren't going to fund free school meals. So Alex Ferguson and his friend Sir Michael Moritz have actually just announced that they're giving £2 million to match fund any donations that Times readers and others give to the charity in the run-up to Christmas. They have this real passion and I think they just wanted to promote the charity and explain why this was an important cause and why it's incredibly important that Times readers donate. They wanted to use then their own life stories to illustrate that and to show why poverty was a problem in the past and it's still a problem. I mean, that's that's such an important point. This year, it really does seem to have, you know, hit the political agenda again, the problem of poverty. And it does seem like something you'd expect would have gone away years ago. Alice, tell me a little bit about some of your experience. I know you've been out to, to look at some of the problems. Rachel and I did a series on poverty a couple of years ago before the pandemic and it was really extraordinary already by then going to schools where children who were on free school meals who were sharing around those free school meals because either their siblings were too old to get it or their friends didn't quite qualify for it but were obviously really desperately hungry and the headmaster of a school in near Manchester said to us that at first he would get cross with children who were taking food out in their pockets and then he realised that actually they were sharing it around I think that was the start of it. And then during the pandemic, it's become increasingly clear the poverty gap is just getting further and further apart and that you've had this terrible disparity between families who are having a much harder lockdown. I just keep being haunted by those words that Matt Hancock at the beginning when he talked about Premier League footballers and saying they should take a pay cut and they should play their part. Given the sacrifices that many people are making, including some of my colleagues in the NHS who've made the ultimate sacrifice of going into work and have caught the disease and have sadly died. I think the first thing that Premier League footballers can do is make a contribution, take a pay cut and play their part. 
he was talking all about the rich, but actually he chose the wrong rich, really, because I think the footballers are the ones that actually have stepped up and done something. I'm not sure the politicians have in the same way, actually. I think Marcus Rashford has done a lot more than quite a lot of the richer people in this country. When Alice and I did our investigation into poverty in Britain, we went to Oldham and there were people queuing around the block, literally a snaking queue for food parcels. We went to food banks, you know, that were absolutely overrun, couldn't keep up with the demand. And I particularly remember a school I went to in South London. You could see the gleaming towers of the City of London from the window. It was absolute deprivation. There were families sleeping in cars. The head teacher talked about how they thought the children were being naughty. And then when they talked more to the child, they realised that actually they were just absolutely exhausted because they were sleeping on a church hall floor with no mattress. So the school had actually started collecting mattresses and duvets and things for the families. I went to the breakfast club there and the head teacher said that some children just ate so many bowls of cereal that she realised that actually they hadn't had anything to eat the night before either. You just think actually it's completely and utterly shocking that that's going on in Britain in 2020. And having done a series, having been out and seen some of the problems firsthand, have you been surprised watching the way the political world has dealt with the issue this year? At the beginning of the first lockdown, everyone came together and it was all about community and people volunteering. I felt that really by the time it came to the free school meals issue at half term, when the MPs were asked to vote for it and they lost by 60 votes getting the free school meals, I did think that was a shocking moment because it wasn't that expensive to give children these free school meals. What was rather astonishing was to see Marcus Rashford then tweeting this out and asking people for help. And you saw little cafes and bars and restaurants and clubs and individuals were all coming together to try and feed children during half term. I think that was incredibly moving, but also really frustrating that the political system, which seemed to be backing so many other causes, you know, even sort of garden centres or at the beginning, couldn't look after children um, who were in the most need, really. Marcus Rashford has sort of come out of this as a, a very heroic figure. I'm not big on football, so I didn't really know him from his footballing <laughs> accomplishments, but it's hard not to know about Marcus Rashford now. But Rachel, fill us in on his background. Well, he's a very brilliant striker. Marcus Rashford! He came from a pretty deprived part of Manchester. He had a single mother, there were four brothers and sisters. He talked about how he went hungry as a child, very little money, he was on free school meals himself. And he said actually there is some stigma about being on free school meals still, he feels. But actually for him, it was a way in which he made friends and it was almost a sense of community because there were so many of them on free school meals in his school that they'd go to the breakfast clubs and the after school clubs to get food. But they all became really good friends. He said some of his lifelong friends are those children he met when he was at the free school meals. He went up through the ranks for Manchester United. He joined at a very young age, just when he was seven, into the Manchester United Academy and then progressed to become a fully-fledged player. Alex Ferguson talked about how he spotted him when he was just eight. Even then, he saw his potential. 
But what had really impressed Alex Ferguson is that beyond football, he's then become this serious and caring young man. There is a danger in football that it can change people. Money can change people. Stardom can change people. Getting a celebrity uh, position in life can sometimes be a problem because not everyone can carry success well. And at the moment, Marcus is doing that very, very well. And Alice, did Marcus Rashford sort of explain what had taken him down this campaigning route? Because, you know, earlier this year, there was a moment when he seemed to be the greatest opposition to the government. He seemed to be holding politics to account. He's managed to achieve astonishing things. How, How did all of that come about? This isn't just something he dreamed up in lockdown. I think he's always felt it really deeply and passionately. Just before lockdown, he was injured and he had some time out. And he was thinking about what he should do and how... He could help people when he wasn't training. He's incredibly good on social media in a way I think that you know Marcus Rashford can tweet and something can happen. And he's really become almost a sort of oppositional, one-man person, political party. Although he would say himself that he's not political at all, that this is not about trying to be point scoring or trying to take on number 10. It's purely about trying to help children. I think in the end it was three million children by the end of the summer that he had reached with these free school meals. When he tweets, it's all about the food that he didn't have or he wanted to have. He really knows how to get to people and it's very emotive and it's fantastic because it's very clear and concise. It's what we all wish politicians were doing at the moment, really. And what did he make of the politics? He talked about how he didn't see himself as political, which I thought was rather fascinating. And he's been very clever. Some of the Tory MPs were were pretty nasty about him. You know, they talked about how celebrities virtue signalling on Twitter and they said he should go back to the football pitch. But actually, he was very dignified about that. He said, you know, what's the effect? I I may not have an incredibly high-profile political education, but he talked about a social education. He was speaking from personal experience. He has a sort of emotional intelligence to the way he communicates, which is sometimes lacking at Westminster. There was a poll recently which showed that his leadership skills were seen as stronger than either um, Boris Johnson or Keir Starmer during the pandemic. We'll have more from Marcus Rashford and Sir Alex Ferguson in just a moment. This is the first of our special episodes on the Christmas appeals backed by The Times and The Sunday Times. Today, we're looking at Fair Share, a charity that saves 24,000 tonnes of good quality surplus food from going to waste each year from across the farming and food industries. They distribute this to 11,000 frontline charities who provide nutritious meals to children and adults in need. You can donate now by going to thetimes.co.uk forward slash Christmas Appeal. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. In addition to their joint interviewing duties, Rachel Sylvester and Alice Thompson have also spent years reporting on Westminster. So how did the Marcus Rashford phenomenon go down in the corridors of power? Boris Johnson rather likes to see himself as a sort of Marcus Rashford type figure because he was the one when he was younger that could cut through. He was very good at using photos and campaigns. He was that slightly maverick figure that everyone absolutely loved. I think once he realised that so much of the country was backing Marcus Rashford. He he very much realised that they were on the wrong side and that actually it had been a real issue. There was a real political tone-deaf aspect to it at Downing Street. I remember talking to one Tory MP soon after. This MP said to me, you know, we've just been told to basically force starving children to go hungry. What on earth is going on at Downing Street? And it was the beginning of the sense of a real backlash against Boris Johnson and the number 10 machine and the sense of detachment between Downing Street and the Parliamentary Party. I think that was one of the things that contributed then to Dominic Cummings' departure. It began to feel as if Downing Street was out of touch with public opinion, with what was the morally right thing to do. It wasn't that they weren't giving out any money. That was the extraordinary thing. It wasn't that we were in austerity and they could say in any way that there's no money left. They were giving out vast amounts of money. So the £20 million that they were refusing to give for the free school meals at half term seemed tiny and really churlish. From your description of what he says, I mean, Marcus Rashford doesn't see himself as a political figure. He does seem to be trying to do this just to help people. Yet there was this remarkable moment where there was a real backlash in some parts of the media. Did he talk about that? I think in the Daily Mail was the worst backlash, actually, when he was accused of having bought all these houses for his family. Instead of being embarrassed or cross or angry or vitriolic, he just tweeted out that he had done it because he felt that he owed his family something and that, you know, it was a natural thing to do. And actually it was. It was a lovely thing to buy houses for your family when they've had a really difficult struggle at the beginning. I remember when I was younger, I knew I wanted to to be a footballer purely because of, of the love of the game. But if there was another reason for me to be a footballer, it was to get my family out of the, the situation that, that we were in. And that, of course, it still drives me now. Did you get a sense of what it was in his childhood that has turned him into this remarkable character? I know he talks about his mother a lot. Did he talk about her? I think she's his biggest influence, which was rather phenomenal, really, that, that this single mother had had such an impact on his life, but quite understandable because she'd kept the children together. But I think also his brothers and his community and the sense that football was a way out, but also an entertainment and a social life and a way to keep going into 
keep off the street, really, which was really important for him, is that it gave him an intense focus. It's almost as if he's now applied that same sense of drive he had for his own family to the other children who he now sees struggling with poverty. And with Sir Alex Ferguson, I mean, Marcus Rashford is so remarkably open and honest about his background. What was it like for Sir Alex? Is it something he talks about much? I was surprised by how open and honest he was too, actually. So he grew up in a tenement block in Govan in Glasgow, and there were nine families in this three-storey house, a zinc bath in the kitchen. He said he never went hungry because his parents worked all the hours they could to make sure there was always food on the table for the children. There was obviously a lot of poverty around. He, he obviously saw a lot. The other families who lived in this tenement block, they had six, seven, eight, nine children, some of these families. He talked about how the doors were always open. Nobody ever locked their doors. There was a real sense of community and trust. He almost seemed nostalgic for it. He said, you know, sometimes I quite like to rewind and go back to that time. He felt proud of his background and really an essential part of his success. Alex Ferguson, real giant of the sport he just led from the front and I think that's the issue that we all desperately want we want leaders don't we it'd be rather nice to have seen what he'd have done in Downing Street during a pandemic because he is not someone who's a shrinking violet when it comes to telling people what to do we definitely felt that in the interview he was quite directional in what he wanted to say and talk about but also there was a real fondness for the younger man and just a real sense of pride that you could be a footballer, which they obviously both love the game, but also that you could be on the national stage as an ambassador and showing football really in its very best light. There was this morality that came across. I don't know what you thought, Alice, but that he talked about how his parents had instilled in him this sense of, you know, don't lie, don't be late, do the right thing. Yes, he does. He talks about the word duty, and I thought that was rather extraordinary. It's quite an old-fashioned word, but I think they both have a sense of duty towards people who've been less fortunate than them. It was a sense that you need to do the right thing, whatever you are and whoever you are. And what is it that they're both hoping to achieve now? I think they really, really want not only children not to go hungry at Christmas, but the country to rally around and to make sure that a lot of the children who've been on free school meals and families who are in severe poverty actually have a chance to eat properly and healthily. The charities, they're trying to get really good food, fair share, and food that might otherwise have gone to waste and get it back into the system to those children, to those families. So when we're all eating our Christmas lunch, you can feel that, that other families are able to too and that no one is going to go hungry. What's so brilliant about Fair Share is they take the wonky vegetables that the supermarkets don't want, food that's going to go into landfill, and then they recycle that food. So instead of it being wasted, they then give it to charities that can distribute it to children and adults that will otherwise go hungry. So it works at both ends. It tackles food waste and it also helps poverty. So it's a sort of brilliant combination, really. And in terms of the Times appeal, what is it hoping to achieve? Is there a particular target and, and where, where will the money be spent? I think really it's the more the better, to be honest. I don't, I don't think <laughs> we're going to buy We're not going to be turning anyone away. Um, I think it's just everyone who can possibly give and whatever you feel you can. And it's been a really, really tricky year for everyone. I think we know that. But if they can just give a little bit or anything, it really... The amount isn't important, it's just the idea that everyone could give a bit. It's really to keep it going and to keep a sense of momentum going that the Times and the Sunday Times campaign want to help with.
I think there's also a sense that this isn't just up to the government, that everyone can help. You know, it's we can all do our bit and we can all contribute and just try and make sure that nobody has to go hungry. It is really the best of Britain coming out and it's all being done by this 23-year-old footballer who is also representing the country on the football pitch and doing brilliantly and scoring goals the whole way through this. He's been scoring these astonishing goals at the same time, which is rather fantastic. Look at the children on free school meals and most of them are really struggling. But there will be a child out there who uses that, who manages to overcome it and does something utterly extraordinary, will be the next Marcus Rashford and will be campaigning, we hope, for that generation. If you can and wish to donate to Fair Share, Marcus Rashford's campaign, then please, please go to thetimes.co.uk forward slash Christmas Appeal. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times with me, Manveen Rana, and my guests, Rachel Sylvester and Alice Thompson, columnists and interviewers for The Times and the presenters of the weekly podcast from The Times Stable, Past Imperfect. You can read more of Rachel and Alice's work online with a subscription to The Times and The Sunday Times. Go to thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. Join today and get one month free. The producer on this episode was Oliver Adamson. The executive producer is Poppy Damon. And sound design was by Nicola Rawfast. If you can, please do leave us a review. And if you'd like to get in touch about any story ideas or if you have any thoughts about what you've heard, please do drop us an email at storiesofourtimes at thetimes.co.uk. Subscribe today and get one month free at thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times.